I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. The time has come to relieve that pain, which will be better for me, but not so enjoyable for all of you. Howdy folks, I hope you're having a good day today, and let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now before we begin, I must know that I am not Dr. Psychiatrist. If your son or daughter is diagnosed with autism, please see a physician. I'll just be based on my experiences. I also own the rights to this music. Both musics were found on zone ringtones online. Now before we begin, we do have to hear about Wellspring Pain Solutions, so let's get to it. Hello everybody, this is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News Sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, and we're back. I don't you be too nervous to meet these fine people. But now I also have some paid for the following. I want to give a shout out to Farm Bureau. I want to give a big thank you to my man, Brandon Barrett, at Farm Bureau in Bedford, Indiana. He gave various donations to help me build my podcast and business. Visit him there today for all your insurance needs. Please check out Casper Kids as well. Brent and his wife run this fishing chariot and help many kids over the years. Right now, they're looking for kids to join if you know someone with a disability that would love to fish. Let us know or Brandon Baird at Farm Bureau Insurance in Bedford, Indiana. And I am to Steve Miller and Angel Shear. These two have been behind me 100%. Check out Steve Miller Tax Service today in Bloomington, Indiana. I know taxing is over, but there are late filings too. The tax service will take care of you, so call them. But also, I want to talk about PALS because this month, I got the full experience at PALS in Bloomington, Indiana. PALS is a nonprofit organization that helps with therapeutic writing center for people with disabilities, veterans, senior citizens, and at-risk youth. The therapeutic power of horses can offer many physical, emotional, and social benefits for a diverse population. My lesson was awesome. Jamie Springer, who is an instructor, was fabulous. I was able to learn about all of the gear to ride a horse. I brushed the horse, and by the end of the riding session, I was riding the horse all on my own. Now, Christina Arthur is a lead instructor, and she's an awesome lady, too. The whole staff and facility is amazing. Check them out today. When I read the PALS mission on their website, I realize that our missions are basically the same. PALS wants to promote joy, quality of life, better health, and empowerment by providing therapeutic programs with horses. But listen to this. They also want to provide a caring safe, and challenging environment. They want to foster growth and individual achievement of all participants that will enable them to reach their highest potential. The key words here are highest potential. Like my Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast, Pals is trying to show that no matter what, human beings have something to offer society and they will help them show what they can do. Our audience is not only similar, but we are both trying to change the world one lesson, one episode at a time. But don't believe me? Take it from them. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an instructor here at Pals. Hello. My name is Crystal Arthur. I'm the lead instructor here at People and Animal Learning Services, or also known as PALS, located in Bloomington, Indiana. We're on the west side of Bloomington, about five minutes out past Walmart on Highway 45 behind Abel's Nursery. 
what we do here is mainly therapeutic horseback riding, but we also offer recreational riding and programs for veterans, senior citizens, at-risk youth, and many other individuals as well. That's beautifully said. Thank you all so much. And yes, Pals is a great place, but there's more for Pals. Because while I was at Pals, we met a young man named Josh Fields and his mother, Kathy. We could tell in the short time that we talked to them that Miss Fields was so incredibly proud of her son, and she should be as well. Josh and his family are big fans of Autism Rocks and Rolls. They came out the day to meet me. That was very cool and humbling. Josh is an artist, but for now, chooses not to share his work, and we can respect that. But we think he is an amazing human being and artist. Check out our website to see his work. Like I have said millions of times, let's look at what others can do. Josh can paint and draw. I hope everyone knows and sees this talent, this man. And let's hear more from him. So, Josh, take it away, my man. Hello, I'm Josh Fields. You ride here at Pals? Yes. With Jamie? Yeah. I've really been enlightened about a lot of different things with horses. Helped me come out of my shell more. Getting to know the trainers and the animals. Now, how often do you come out here? Every Tuesday, usually, but I come here after hours Friday for, uh, volunteering so yeah josh thank you very much and hope to hear more from you soon in the future and there are some people i like to thank i want to give a huge thank you to my seven-year-old cousin hunter for doing a voiceover for one of our projects thanks buddy you nailed it and i go one with the carl elson the owner of ltraingraphics.com we're using a service for that psa video and i am so proud to call my friend so thank you carl and i go into with love alexa podcast with love alexa is hosted by alexa randolph a chronic pain and mental health advocate. She has two romance novels under her belt and the Forever Strong clothing line. She decided to create this podcast to help bring awareness on mental health and chronic pain, as well as gain other stories of advocacy and personal growth. Each episode has a guest time of a variety of topics. Alexa also has an Etsy shop on wine glasses. And the narrative. We are very, very sorry, but we forgot to give props to another podcast that I was on. The Narrative Podcast, so make sure to check them out. And I go to the Center for Suicide Awareness Podcast. This podcast is amazing. Aaron Warnsherski, former police officer, and thank you for your service, created a podcast for the Center of Suicide Awareness Organization as a way to break the stigma of mental health. The theme and slogan for the podcast is everyone has a story. You don't have to be famous to have a story. Everyday people have something to share. Those stories and experiences go a long way with people. That's what this podcast is also about. About knowing that it's okay to be you and not feel insecure about yourself. There are people just like you. Be kind. You are loved. You're important. And remember, you're not alone. And I went to Juwan Ahmed. I met two amazing people, Juwan Ahmed and Brandon Kamarasami. Juwan started his podcast by reaching out to others that were like-minded entrepreneurs, speakers, writers, authors, actors, producers, and learning about their journey. Brandon Kumarasami is an experienced speaker and a facilitator. Brandon understands that audience members need to walk away, captivate, and above all, aspire to master the art of communication. It should be seen as something to look forward to rather than a burden that must be overcome. He is also one of the members of Toastmasters Talk, and let me tell you, these guys know their stuff. They've helped me tremendously understand more about the art of public speaking, so thank you both. And I'm anxiously okay. Alec Baines lives with social anxiety and mild Asperger's syndrome. For more than 20 years, he believed to be exclusive to himself, and aside from some minor medication, and refused to seek help. On the verge of suicide at age 21, he made the decision to seek help from therapists. He is still alive today. Alex still battles anxiety, but since 2018, he has learned that his anxiety is completely okay to have on his podcast. Alex discusses his experiences with anxiety and how he manages it and why it's okay to be anxious. Angering to two sports, Adam McPhillip. This podcast is hosted by pupils with autism from 
Tetland Hall Wood Special Sports or School in Wolverhampton, England. Each week, they talk about a range of sports from football and golf to rugby and speedway. They also have a number of top sportsmen and women who join them each week to chat about sports. Shout out to Adam McPhillip for encouraging these amazing young men to do this. I cannot wait to be on their podcast. Y'all, we have merchandise to sell. Thank you, Marine Workbrand, for printing those for us. Let me know if you like to buy shirts, $15, or if you buy multiples, if you get a discount. I am also very interested in doing public speaking. Let me know if you're interested or know someone who is hiring me to do that. Now, today's episode is kind of special because we actually have two ads in the intro. So now we're going to play a new ad for Donnie's Bells Built Automotive. So let's hear it. Bells Built Automotive, towing and recovery in Salisbury, Indiana. Visit them today. Bells Built Automotive, towing and recovery is owned and operated by Donnie Bell. Bell says that working on cars has always been a passion of his. Like me, he started by helping friends and family and now owns a thriving business. He treats each customer as family, giving them the best quality work. Whether it be exhaust work, brakes, shocks, or a simple oil change, Bell offers quality work. If you are ever broken down on the road, just let Bell know. He can tow you to the shop and get you back on the road. Bell's built automotive towing and recovery can be found at 12259 East Chapel Road in Salisbury, Indiana. You can reach these fine folks at 812-825-3220. You can also visit their website online at bellsbuiltautomotive.com. Bells take cash, credit, and debit cards. Visit in person, online, or give them a call today. You will definitely not be sorry. All right, folks, I'm back. And yes, please check them out because you check it out eventually. The name will ring a bell to you. Today, folks, I would mark something off my bucket list. Honestly, Mick Foley has been my favorite WWE wrestler since I was 10 years old. Today at 19, I can honestly say I know everything there is to know about Mick Foley and WWE wrestling. Today, he is here on Autism Rocks and Rolls. Foley has portrayed Cactus Jack, Mankind, and Dude Love, or the three faces of Foley on WWE. Foley is known as a hardcore brawler using barbed wire, thumbtacks, and trash cans in his matches. His Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker is regarded as the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. Without further ado, I want to welcome the WWE hardcore legend, four-time world champion, 11-time world tag team champion, and WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. McFoley. How you doing? Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It's great to be here with you, right here. Yes, it is. I'm glad I got to do this because I met you once, and I get to get, get to go with the follow-up with you, sort of. One of my first questions is, during your Hell to Sun match with The Undertaker, you went back up a second time, so I always got to ask, why in the lunatic did you go back up a second time? I can uh, I can uh, give you that answer in one word, fortitude. But no, it's actually it's more complex than that. You know what it is? It's just instilled in almost all of us that we finish the match no matter what. So these days, in the past several years, you know, we have referees looking out for us, matches, you know, they'll stop the matches because by and large, the men and women are going to do whatever it takes to finish that match, even if it means doing some things that could put ourselves in danger. So it's a good thing we have people looking out for us these days. Yeah, I noticed that the other day, if you watched Clash of Champions 2020, I noticed the referee did a hand signal. It was like this, like the X mark. That means they can't continue, right? Yes. You know what? At a certain point, like in 2010 or 2011, it became, let's pretend they can't continue. So they started overdoing it. But I think that is what it's meant to be. Either that or it's a DX crotch chop. I'm not sure which one it is. I hope it's not the crotch chop. Although it would be funny. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Oh, yeah. So that was a, yeah, that was a big match, obviously, in my career. People are still talking about it 23 years after the fact, which is cool. 
And I like the fact that you were so dazed. I want, interviewed said when he talked to the t- Undertaker, he's like, did I use thumbtacks? And he's like, Mick, look at your arm. That's correct. I was not aware as to whether or not I had used the thumbtacks, but I knew that I had wanted to use them. So I had to have the Undertaker assure me that I had. All right. I think he assured you pretty well. Also, I watched Dark Side of the Ring with the Davy Boy Smith. You talked about a clothesline nailing you in the jaw. You said you cannot chew f- solid food for three weeks. So you couldn't chew food. Or did you eat anything? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Clearly I ate. I was probably uh, relegated to soup. At that point in my life, yeah, I could probably drink a protein drink, liquid stuff. That was uh, kind of my Achilles heel, which my jaw would dislocate. I didn't know that was the injury until probably 14 years later when a guy named Francois Petit was able to put my jaw back into alignment and saved me about three weeks of that perpetual pain because it probably dislocated on five or six instances throughout my career. But that was the first one with uh, Dynamite Kid clotheslining me. I, that was a hard clothesline. It didn't look hard, though. Like you said, it didn't look bad. It looks regular, like a regular solid clothesline. The deal is, you know, you just have to hit somebody below the chin. You know, I mean, the, in wrestling, you can hit somebody as hard as you want. You don't want to hit them in the throat. But anything below the throat uh, is fair game. And we've seen some titanic clotheslines over the years from guys like Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy and uh, JBL. Yeah, as long as you're not hitting people in the mouth, the jaw, or the throat, all uh, all systems yeah. ago. I also saw you innovated one of my favorite moves of all time in wrestling, the cactus clothesline. So how did you get to innovate that? I innovated it, but I did not invent it. Believe it or not, I saw a guy who was not known as a huge bump taker. Nikita Koloff did it at one of the big NWA matches. And I thought it looked good. Early on in my career, I did a far more out of control version, you know, like a really wild looking over the top clothesline. But when I realized I wanted to make it something that that was part of my repertoire, I started making it safer for both me and my opponent. But those first few times, you know, where I started utilizing it in 1988 in world class, it was was a pretty tough one to take for both me and my opponent. It sounded like it. When he did a flip was pretty cool. Yeah, that's about as much flipping as I can do. But uh, I got it. I. The only flip I can do is a front flip and actually a swanton bottom land on my back. That's the only flipping I can do. Very well. Very nice to know. Exactly. Now, what about the cactus elbow? Did you invent that too? I thought I invented it because I'd never seen anybody do it before. But it turns out that Buddy Roberts had uh, dropped an elbow or two off the ring apron. I don't think he did a big production and did the biggest three-step approach like I did or went as far. But uh, I believe Buddy Roberts was the first. There may have been someone before him. Who knows? But what I did early in my career, (laughs) all my big bumps were designed for people to move or for me to be on the receiving end of a big bump. And I thought, What if I started taking these same wild bumps and turning them into offensive moves? And so the, you know, the cactus elbow became a big part of, you know, my offensive repertoire and a big part of the reason why I had so much difficulty walking for many years. I bet I was on your documentary and it was for all the mankind. I saw you waddling towards the end. You were like, you know, what happens with the waddle is when, especially when you have, real bad back pain 
you start walking side to side to take the pressure off the nerves. And before you know it, you are waddling. So a few years before I even had my hip replaced, I would say a couple of years before the pain even got really unbearable, I noticed that flight attendants were asking me if I needed assistance on airplanes a couple of years before I even felt that bad because they could see the difficulty I had walking. And then it got to a point where I did need assistance. And thankfully I had my hip replaced. Uh, it was not a back injury. It was just a really, really bad hip from all those years of dropping elbows and doing other assorted terrible things to myself for the sake of uh, professional wrestling. Yeah, I, I bet I was some half the stuff. I look at you and I'm thinking, why? Just why? I could never do that. And I admire you for it because you represent the underdogs. You're probably one of the biggest underdogs in the professional wrestling. I'm probably an underdog in life myself. Yes, you are. But we can we can do amazing things, right? Yes, we can. And I have to say, I'm looking at myself on the screen. I don't think I look that bad for age 56, do I? No, you look pretty good. You look better than my mother. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. She looks wonderful. Now, I do want to talk about your match. One of my favorite matches, it's not the Hell in a Cell. It is with Undertaker, but it's not with Hell in a Cell. I always, we said last time, that's my dad's. It's The Undertaker versus Mankind at the In Your House 11 Buried Alive. Favorite match of all time, believe it or not. Really? Wow. Yeah, that was a fun one. I mean, what a what an incredibly weird concept that was. You're going to bury your opponent alive. Uh, but we pulled it off. If you notice, Sam, that was the only buried alive match where there wasn't a backhoe involved because none of us thought, hey, how long does it take to fill in a <laughs> six, you know, like, what is it, six foot by six foot by four foot hole and after 20 minutes of intense wrestling? So You're even like, with, oh my God, oh, this, is for, this is ridiculous. Even the it was ridiculous. It. So they learned from their mistakes and they got a, a machine that would allow them to fill in the grave within seconds instead of many minutes of toil. Yeah, that does. And out of curiosity, at that time frame, you were working with Paul Bear. He was on your side. So how did you learn that Paul Bear is going to actually work That's with you and betray the Undertaker and become this crazy wackadoodle combination with mankind and Paul Bear. How'd you learn that? What were your reactions? Well, I'm going to ask you to read between the lines here because I don't want to spell out everything for you guys about our negotiations. Uh, but I think it was just uh, Undertaker was going a little different direction. It certainly meant a lot to my career to have uh, Paul Bearer turn on him and join forces with me. And it was good for everybody involved because down the line, Paul Bearer and Undertaker reunited. They formed uh, the Brothers of Destruction with Kane, the great storyline, but in 97 and 98, uh, about the true identity of uh, Kane's father. Great storytelling on behalf of WWE, but really valuable to have Paul Bearer with me. It uh, really set us off and running for a great feud. I really thought, uh, Sam, that my first match for The Undertaker, which happened a little over 25 years ago, my first pay-per-view match would be my only pay-per-view match. Little did I know that we would uh, then uh, do SummerSlam. And uh, I think we did seven pay-per-view matches, 15 TV matches. And it was something of a rivalry for the ages. It sounds like it. Now, what's Paul Bear like just as a person outside the ring? I know he didn't. He has unfortunately passed away. But what was he like outside of the ring? Oh, uh, he was a great guy. He was. I met him as Percy Pringle, and I had the distinction of being the only guy in WWE who used to babysit his children when I was in world-class championship wrestling. So 
when he and his wife, Diane, needed a babysitter. I think on three different occasions, I watched uh, the Pringle or the Moody children. There was a lot of history there. So it was a great natural thing for us to uh, be together. We had known each other and had been good friends uh, many years earlier. I also want to talk about your interview with Jim Ross, the up and close (laughs) personal interview with Mankind. That's a genius move. I loved it. And that's when he turned babyface. But I got a question. First of all, what's the backstory of Jim Ross and how that become and how that become into a a cool interview? They covered this a little bit on my uh, A&E biography, which I was really happy with. We can go a little more in depth here. It turned out that Bruce Pritchard overheard a conversation I had with Shawn Michaels about how I had originally wanted my character to be uh, pretty close to what he was doing. And that's where the first time the world heard about Dude Love. And when Bruce went to Mr. McMahon and said, Mick Foley's got this really interesting backstory about this Dude Love character, and he's got video to back it up. That really opened up Vince's eyes as to what, you know, we could do with the Mankind character. And he just thought that uh, people needed to see a little more of what I was like in real life. What was really cool about that interview, Sam, was that it was 100% real or shoot, as they say these days, you kids. Hey, Fabe. Yeah, yeah, with the language. But it was done 100% in Mankind character. So it was a 100% honest uh interview but done 100% in character which is difficult to pull off but we pulled it off and it uh, meant a lot to my career now I got real quick do you like being a baby face better or a heel better well you know up until my turn in 97 1997 baby face turn and then another baby face turn in 98 you know I went from baby I went I came into WWE as a heel within a year I was a baby face turn back I'm not talking about big show type turns where you know you can literally have a book just on turns. There were just a few of them. But up until my big turn there in 98, I had always been more comfortable as a heel. But I think when people got a chance to see the new mankind, like the friendlier mankind, it was a much closer version of myself. And those are always the characters that really succeed. And I've just been kind of a, a version of myself ever since. Now, Mick, we're going to have to meet you because we got to hear an ad about Perfection Autoglass. You got it. Perfection Autoglass is the largest independent autoglass company in the state of Indiana. Serving Bloomington, Fisher, Speedwood, Anderson, and Muncie. They specialize in all aspects of autoglass repair and replacement on everything from domestic and import vehicles, RVs, heavy trucks, and equipment repairing glass, outside mirrors, windows, regulators, and motors. Perfection Autoglass has trained and certified technicians that calibrate the camera attached to your windshield to ensure your lane departure warning and ADS safety features are working properly. Their staff has more than 100 years of combined experience and uses only uses the highest quality glass and sealants in the industry. If your windshield or windows are damaged in any way, just have them responsible for the safety of you and your loved ones. They offer both in-shop and pay service. Perfection Autoglass works directly with all insurance companies and their staff is committed to the highest level of quality service and attention to details that customers have come to expect. They understand a game your vehicle that weren't to you. You can visit them online at Perfection Autoglass in the end, which I think is kind of cool, by the way, may I add. But anyway, please call Perfection Autoglass for any and all your autoglass needs. All right, folks, and we're back. And yes, please check them out because they are a perfect autoglass company. Now, I want to know who was your favorite person to work with in the WWE when you were working and why? Let me see. I was so lucky, Sam, 
it's hard for me to pick anybody. If I had to pick one guy, it would be The Undertaker because he really put me on the map. But it's tough because I had all the best guys, not just to wrestle with, but that memorable feuds with. So it went from Undertaker, Stone Cold, to Triple H, to The Rock. And, and then I had a great uh, teaming with Kane, well as a couple of, you know, as of, of some really good matches. But all those guys who were such mainstays of the Attitude Era, I'd say those five were my favorites. Uh, that sounds like, I'm glad you, because they seem like really monsters, but I guess they're good in person. <laughs> I'm going to leave that up to your imagination, okay? Okay. Of those opponents, who was your favorite to watch me with? Probably The Undertaker, easily. Yeah, that was a good one, right? And then the, the great thing about working with The Rock is not only did we have the chemistry of opponents, but then as partners as well. So uh, that was, I think I went on to be partners with all of those. I'm not sure. I, I partnered in some a multi-people uh, matches with Triple H. I'm not sure that after our feud that we, ah, I could be wrong, but I know we did not have a big partnership. But as far as uh, Austin and Dude won the tag team championship, uh, Rock and Mankind won the tag team championship, Kane and I had a run as tag team champions. So that was interesting. That, but the best opponents often make the best partners, don't you think, Sam? Yeah, opposites attract sometimes. That's right. I think Paul Abdul had a song that said exactly that. I do want to talk about your son, who you said is on the spectrum. So what does actually being a father who with a son on the spectrum mean to you? Well, Sam, it's definitely made me a better person. I said that I was an accidental advocate, that my son, Mickey, he he performed the drums on my WWE special. I think it was 2015 where he was turning a drum roll into a drum solo. And he just wouldn't stop. Even when I wanted him to stop, he just continued on with his drum solo. And then the crowd got really into it. And I mentioned that the reason I'd been wearing this uh, bracelet, it was, it was a different bracelet at the time, but this one says autism acceptance, is that I was the father of a child on the spectrum. And the next day I woke up to find out that I had become an accidental advocate. Prior to that point, no one had any idea that I had a child on the spectrum. So I've kind of become uh, an advocate. And, you know, letting people know that it's, it can be frustrating sometimes, but it's also a great adventure. We just went on a family vacation a few weeks ago, and by far the best part of the vacation for me was spending time with my son, Mickey, and seeing, you know, the joy in his eyes at several points of the vacation. What would you say be the most rewarding and most stable thing about being a father with a son on the spectrum? Well, I got the most rewarding. What's the second part? The most difficult. Oh, well, as far as difficult, he leans on it a little bit. He leans on that diagnosis, you know, the reason not to do things he doesn't want to do. And and his sleep schedule is just crazy. You know, like every two weeks, he's got to reset his sleep schedule, his biological clock. So I saw him. I knew he was going to bed at 7.30 p.m. And then the next night I saw him and he said everything had gone wrong because he slept for 21 hours. <laughs> so... There are things that are just, you know, biologically different with him, but the most rewarding part is just seeing how happy he is, how well adjusted he is. So my daughter said to me on that vacation, I think Mickey's the most 
he's the best adjusted out of all of us. I was like, yeah, I think I think he is too. So I read a little poem I wrote about him. I was up at like, I'm a night owl too. So it's about 4 a.m. a couple nights ago. And I wrote like a little poem borrowing from a, a children's book my mom used to read to me called The Happiest Christmas. And I just rewrote about five lines of it, five stanzas, 10 lines, whatever the case may be about my son, Mickey, on that vacation. It's really nice of you. And that's really... Sweet, I guess is the way to put it. Now, as Thank a, you, you're welcome. Now, as a father, what advice would you give to anyone else who's having a, who's who's a father for someone on the spectrum? Oh, I just say to you know enjoy the little things and see that you know the beauty is in the differences. You know, not to I'm speaking as a father. You know, someone who's a hundred percent verbal. I know it's a, it can be really different. Much more difficult for parents whose uh, children are are very limited or nonverbal. So I don't want to say I know what it's like to walk in their shoes, but I can tell you that it's been a great adventure for all of us. And uh, you know, for every setback, there is uh, you know huge leaps forward that we make. There are huge leaps forwards, no matter what it is. We'll take those forwards. It may just be at our own time frame. But exactly. We'll there. Here you are interviewing the hardcore legend. My son Mickey did a, a guitar instrumental covers of every song on the Nirvana Bleach album. And he got accolades from Dave Davies of the Kinks, who said he reminded him of an avant-garde man who uh, sold the uh, or sold the world, which was a David Bowie album where Mick Ronson did the guitar work. And Mick Ronson was a legendary guitar player. So yeah, he's done really well for himself. Now, these are just personal for you. So what's like your paradise meal or your favorite food? And why do you like it? Oh, let me see. Oh, I live in Florida now, only about an hour from a Whataburger in Jacksonville, Florida. Whataburger is mainly a Southwest chain, brother. I mean, I, I try, I've cut down on the amount of you know meat I consume because just at my age with my blood type, makes me a little sluggish and I think it's healthier, you know, more plant-based uh, products is better, but I will indulge in a uh, double cheeseburger at Whataburger until my dying day. And I also love Zweigel's hot dogs from Rochester and I love uh, shoe fly pie for dessert. So if I could have an ultimate meal, I'd say uh, Zweigel's hot dogs with uh, homemade uh, beans and shoe fly pie for dessert. Uh, real quickly, what's shoe fly pie? <laughs> it's a Pennsylvania Dutch specialty. It is more or less a molasses custard pie. Oh, Very- oh yeah, I've heard of it. Now that makes yeah. more sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was made by the, the Pennsylvania Dutch, I think, because it can sit for weeks without going bad. And there's a lot of carbohydrates in it. So it was considered something that would uh, help provide fuel uh, for the hardworking Amish men and women. Now, what's your favorite movie or TV show and why do you like it? Oh, let me see. My favorite all-time movie is uh, the original Rocky, just because it was so inspiring, continues to inspire. And that was 76. What's that? uh, 45 years ago, 45 years, something like that. 46 years. And my favorite TV show. Let me think about that. Let me think if there's been something, I'm sure there's something I've talked about. I really enjoyed The Crown on Netflix. I really thought that was good. Enjoyed uh, the first five seasons of Dexter. I'm not sure. I I wish I I should have a solid answer for you. Uh, And I enjoy going back and watching some of the old-time classic sitcoms like uh, The Bob Newhart Show and Mary Tyler Moore, All in the Family, things of that nature. Yeah. 
That that does sound good. I I watched Rocky too, and I like I'm thinking about downloading the Rocky theme song. So the Rocky theme song is really cool. One of the tunes I use whenever I have uh, I'm asked to do a pep talk on a cameo. So this I'm not here just to plug my cameo, but if some people are interested, I take a lot of pride in doing good cameos you're not just going to get the hey it's a hardcore legend how's it going you're going to get a production and if it's a pep talk and i think it's fitting i'll sometimes cue up a musical interlude called going the distance that was used in the first and second rocky movie and i because if i feel hyped up while i'm giving the pep talk the listener can't help but feel that energy nice i i would feel that energy too from you except just don't do a cactus elbow or It'd be funny if you did like a stage dive or a suicide dive. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. Are there any good memories that you want to tell our listeners about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I like a good memory and a funny memory. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, funny memory could be with wrestling, just you being you. The call's yours. You know what? Uh, Since uh, uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, he's not doing that well. His career is really struggling. So I'm going to use him, incorporate him into both answers. His name is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, he's really fallen on tough times with his career, really dragging. And so I'm going to say my favorite moment was winning the WWE title from The Rock. And maybe my funniest moment is when I came back as the WWE. You're looking at me strange, Sam. I'm kidding. He's doing pretty good. He's doing okay for himself. As a matter of fact, I got his energy drink yesterday at the vitamin shop. And I was like, hey, any discounts if I defeated Dwayne for the WWE title and uh, the lady looked at me like she didn't think there was a chance in the world that I could have competed with Dwayne Johnson but when I came back as the commissioner and uh, he was the champion I asked him how it felt and before he could answer I said it doesn't matter how you feel and I ran about four laps around yeah the I remember and, seeing that so that was a real you know we we had fun on such a regular basis back in those days yeah, where the office ideas come from? I looked at your office. I'm thinking you got a, you got a stuffed animal in the in the laundry room. That was Sarge, our lighting guy, Brian Noyer. I believe that's how it. I believe that's how you pronounce it. It's French. He and another guy would go and try to find. They would scout locations like they were filming a movie, and they would come up with those things. So after the uh, For All Mankind DVD, I saw Brian, who was. Uh, interviewed and he talked about sarge the the dog that had been given to me by a, a a child in toronto and he mistakenly thought she was a make-a-wish child and i she never was so uh her name is tanya and after all these years i got a message asking if i would do a video for her wedding and so apparently it brought her to tears but uh we would try to incorporate Sarge into every single thing we did. And the man responsible for all of Commissioner Foley's offices was Brian, uh, I believe it's Noyer. Yeah, if I see him, I'll clarify that. But he's a great guy. Been working for WWE for 25 years or so. And he did a great job in finding those locations. Yeah, that they was good. There were, there were some good. I wish I could have done. I think I would have found funnier. If it was me personally, I'd put you on the roof. Yeah, uh, there's no telling. If I had stayed on as commissioner, I'm sure we could have found some great locations. But, you know, I know one time my location was in a storage bin. At the at one time it was in the women's restroom. Uh, another time it was on a moving uh, truck. So we had a lot of fun. It was, yeah. a, it was a great time to be commissioner. Now, these are the two final questions. So the first one is, how did you feel when you were called to be inducting to the WWE Hall of Fame? But the second one is, I heard about this prank you did with 
DDP, who I might have on my show in the future about the, some cookies. <laughs> so I got to ask, how'd you feel with the Hall of Fame? And what's the backstory with the cookie prank? You're about to, as soon as I go to answer, you're going to say it doesn't matter how I feel, right? Nope. No, I wasn't planning on it. All right. Okay. Don't do it now that I put it in your head. It doesn't matter how you feel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you got me. Hey, you know, I think I wrote about this, and uh, but I think it was in one of those books that no one read, so it'll be news to almost everybody, that I brought my children to uh, a WWE house show, December 26, 2012. And when Triple H asked me if he could talk to me, I honestly thought he was going to relieve me of my duties as a WWE ambassador. I thought I was going into his office to be let go, and instead he asked me how I would feel about being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, I was like, I think I'd feel really good about that. And so we uh, we did it. And that was a great moment for me. I really enjoyed that. And the second question, can you give that to me again? Sure. The second question is, what's the backstory between the cookie, Frank, with you and DDP? <laughs> we were just trying to crack him emotionally because that's what you do when you're on the road to pass the time. You know, you miss your family and you take your mind off that uh, pain. You try to uh, emotionally devastate another human being. Steve thought we could do it in three days. I thought we could do it in one. Yeah, he looked, I turned away like, where, where in the F are these cookies? Who put the cookies in my bed sheets? <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories to tell live. I mean, it's I've told it on other tours, so I only tell it on request. But hey, as long as I'm talking about it, I am going back out on tour in September. I'm hitting about five different states in the Midwest, uh, Missouri, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin. And people can check that out at uh, realmickfoley.com. Okay. And guess what? We actually plan to be there because we got tickets. Which one? Which show? Indiana. Yes. Let me see Indiana, buddy. Oh, my hometown. So that'll be a great homecoming. Yep. All right. That'll be fun. I'll see you there. Yeah, we'll see you there too. And thank you for being on the show, Foley. It's been wonderful having you. Thank you. And can I say in closing, have a nice day. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. 